0: Do
1: Hello friends, welcome back to Operation Opera. Lisa and I had a chance to chat with soprano Amber Opheim, who is based out of Bern, Switzerland. She's American and talks a lot about her adventures getting over there and uh, what it is to sing as a fest singer in Europe. And we talked a lot about resilience and perseverance and all kinds of great stuff, so enjoy. We were chatting a little bit before about what we wanted to kind of quote-unquote focus on because, you know, there's a lot of kind of around and through as we did Mm -hmm. but you had met you know talking about the perspective of you know what it takes to sort of pick yourself up and and just go to a new place because you amber are an incredible soprano and you are living in bern switzerland which is beautiful and Mm -hmm. singing there regularly and performing around and traveling around europe and like what what made you do it like what was that transition like
0: which transition? Oh, <laughs> the hey, one from New hey, York, York. One oh, to Austria. America. Yeah. Well, that's you know, right now, just before this, I was sitting and writing. Like, I know my journey. I can tell you everything really quickly, memorized. But writing down the bullet points of how and when and why was really interesting, even for me, because it's easy to forget. I think that we don't um, we don't know the path that we're about to go on. Right? Mm. It's all it's all unknown in front of you it's been really eye-opening just sort of scribbling down where I am now and then working my way backwards from that. It's been, it's been cool. But getting from New York was a bit of an escape hatch. I don't know how much I should talk about the New York years, but it was. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I had gone there thinking that that was the thing you do after the opera studios. So I had finished at Portland opera and finished at music Academy and had done some you know babysitting with a singer and a pianist that I was living with who are wonderful people but just to sort of get my arias ready and get going. And and I moved to New York and had absolutely no idea what I was doing and no real income and no real contacts and no idea how to get to the next thing other than just do other young artist programs. And for whatever reason which is you know clear at this point that wasn't really working out the way I thought that it was going to. um, So I had a whole bunch of little office jobs and a really scummy agent. Feel free to quote me on that one. And um, did the choral gigs and then the church stuff. And it felt like a rat race. And I I was there for two years living in pretty scummy apartments as well with wonderful people. But just it wasn't my life. And it wasn't going the way that I thought things were supposed to go. Um, So towards the end of the two years, let's see. Um, I got into another summer program it was at Ashland Opera and with a bunch of girlfriends during a, a night after a really tedious rehearsal, we really think we're getting paid $150 a week too. So it's like Whoa. effectively slave labor. Yeah. But you're doing it because you're so passionate about it. And you really love it. And you want, you think it's going to be, it's going to be another springboard. Like it's just this one more thing. And then it's going to go to a real career, whatever that means. Cause what does it even mean? Right. Yeah. And um, sitting around with my girlfriends that night, I booked a one way flight to Europe thinking, you know what, New York's not working. I'm just going to go to Europe and, and see what that is all about. And um, that audition tour that I took after that produced one job for 10 months later that was also paid really, really poorly. But that was sort of the the window that I needed and like the little eye opener that it was possible and it was worth trying. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, um, with that, sort Of motivating me and as the fire to keep going, I got myself out of New York, realizing that the city wasn't healthy for me uh, by going to the Uni- University of South Carolina for a master's in literature. And that was going to follow the summer gig in Germany. And I figured that was at least staying in like a German vein and I would be supplementing my opera. I didn't know with... about that. You, come on, you totally knew about this. No. <laughs> no? This is literally how I got out of New York is I packed my bags and, and drove whatever, fifteen hours south and, and was like, That's it. That that whole city is behind me and never doing that again. And um, I didn't know about the
2: Carolina chapter.
0: I had no idea. It was only one year. So it was supposed to be, you know, two years masters plus who knows how many years of a PhD. And the plan was if I didn't get back into singing, which I didn't know whether or not that was gonna work at all at the time, I thought I'm going to develop a curriculum to teach uh sort of let's say conservatory students singing and german in in uh completion of each other like with they would complement each other through the grammar a package deal (laughs) i thought yeah i can i can sell this and maybe i don't have a phd in singing or a big career but i sure can speak german and (laughs) there's there's definitely a curriculum you could develop where like the students learn magic flute and a whole bunch of schubert songs and they figure out the grammar as they go along and I know how to sing, so I could impart my singing wisdom on them. And I figured, with a PhD from USC, this was totally feasible. And I think that's probably not the worst idea I ever had, actually. Um, um, so that got, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So Smart that lady down there, to, she's a planner. Yeah. <laughs> nah, no, I'm a worry. Are you kidding? It like, <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to pay my bills for the rest of my life if I better do something? But, um, so it, the summer before USC started, I had the gig in Germany, and that's where I met a really nice Austrian boy, and we, the last time I ever used Skype was when I was talking to him the whole year uh, at, in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and we decided through the course of that year that it didn't make any sense for me to stick around there, so I applied for a Fulbright scholarship uh, to teach English in Austria, where he was living, and I thought, well, I'll just do that for a little while if I get it, and, you know, he'll get me some gigs, and it worked, and I got the Fulbright, and so I moved to his village and started singing with the the little sort of concerts, and he he got me a gig in a musical, and I did Hello Dolly in German. Wait, wait. I'm
2: not sure that was my my
0: first real gig. (laughs) (laughs) Wait,
2: wait, so Amber, can you,
0: sorry, I'm going to nerd out
2: just for a second, can you talk for a little bit about what it is, the Fulbright situation, and how you apply, and how old you can be, and all that stuff?
0: Yeah, so the Fulbright Foundation has several different types of scholarships. Uh, one is for research, where you can develop your own idea for research and uh go dig into that for I think two years is the first contract. Uh and then the other one is to teach as a like an English teaching assistant within foreign countries all over the world. They really have it mm-hmm. everywhere. And it's funny you ask what the age limit is. It's 30. And um, I had been, I'm going to go ahead and talk about me again. I had been visiting the Austrian boyfriend at Christmas time, and his brother had a birthday right after New Year's, and I went to his birthday party, I didn't know the guy, and found another American girl, and she was like, you know what you should do? Apply for this, Fulbright," Because I was 29 at the time, the application was literally due in five days, and as soon as I flew back to South Carolina, I emailed everybody I'd ever met to say, can you write me a recommendation letter like right now, or I'll write it for you, you just sign it. And um, <laughs> that, the scholarship came through and mine was to to go to Austria and, and be in a really specific um, type of middle school slash high school that were combined where the kids were on a really academic track. And they would have me as a sort of 10 to 15 hours a week support to their English grammar lessons with conversation and culture.
2: Oh. And that's
0: what I was there for. And it was amazing for me. I hope that some of them got something out of it, but, uh, I think it was really a cultural exchange in a lot of ways. Sure. And what, what Fulbright wants is that you take what you learned in Austria or wherever whatever country you're in and then head back to your country and the exchange continues. Like their goal is not necessarily that people stay where they are forever. Um, but it was really interesting to, to like be living in this Austrian village and really get integrated in the community there. Um, there were several americans like me but all from totally different walks of life we had one guy who ended up doing doctors without borders after the fact a girl who was a scientific background like everybody was different and nobody had any teaching experience except for maybe like like i had had at usc i taught german for a year uh to college kids but i didn't have a degree in it so it was all just sort of learning by doing um,
2: right will you just take take one moment to tell us about your your background with german and how you know it so well
0: I will. I minored in it in college. It's, uh, at my university, we had to take one year of one language. And at that point, I had already studied French and they didn't offer Italian. And I thought, okay, well, the German club offers beer to 19 year olds. So uh, oh, like a is. fantastic <laughs> idea. I was keep it real. But it was sort of that was my, um, at the time, it was my community outside of the opera community. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that as well. I made a lot of really wonderful friends. I stayed in touch with my professors for uh, up till today, and um, the I just I, I dug into it because I've really always enjoyed languages, and it seemed like a great idea in case I wanted to work in Europe one day. And, and looking back, that was a ah. bit of a lottery win, like lucky strike, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's so interesting, right? How we get to these places. Completely. Like, like what you know, the choice to, to go to one place or another. I think C.S. Lewis <laughs> talks about this, you know, about friendship. Specifically, and how you know uh, choosing one university or over another, or you know going down this way versus the other, and like how you, you know that there's there's this idea that that there's purpose to all of it, even though it can seem yeah. very random. But but that we are directed and led because you know in in this faith tradition, right in Christianity, it's, it's there's a master yeah. of ceremonies at work who's who's trying to help us become the best versions of ourselves. Oh, and, totally. And I. I but I, but it is funny sometimes, right? Like, why did I, why did I do that? Well, it worked out,
0: so that's good. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it's funny you you look back and it's it was a little like it seemed like a good idea at the time. It turned out to be a wonderful idea, you know. Or, yeah, of course, maybe I was being pulled from from another direction the whole time and had no idea. It, no way of knowing. Continue. But it also made a lot of terrible decisions. <laughs> those are about I Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, not so many. Some of the decisions have been about not knowing, like not, not having a clear path or thinking like, I'll just go with the flow, but really sometimes you have to swim against the tide, you know? Yes, for sure. Yeah. And you don't realize it. So it's about being prepared when the current gets rough or when the current is taking you in a direction that's not actually good for you. Mm. So, um, yeah, to continue that, I, I stayed in Austria for two years and that was, a really great time but it, it came to a point where it was really clear that that time was over so I could have stayed and been sort of a freelance English teacher and freelance concert singer and I was directing a couple of church choirs at the time and all that was good but it was it was a bit of a hamster wheel in the same way that New York had been except it had really amazing scenery and uh, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> well, that's a right, huge difference. Right.
1: The train, it's, it's sort of the same kind of gig but
0: yeah, the view is yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> better cheese I, better. It, it wasn't really going to develop though Yeah. yeah. so um, I, start, I I thought hard about whether or not I wanted to return to the States or what staying in Europe was going to look like and you know, at the time I was I think I just turned 31 and I still had student debt and I didn't want to go home because it didn't look any different I could have gone back to USC but at that point I was getting enough gigs that something was telling me just stick with it a little longer just see where things go so, um, I took all the auditions I could handle or that were coming my way. And the first real job that came through was a choral job at the Theater Koblenz in Germany. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> and that was it, it was a sort of 50% solo, 50% chorus, but the, the real job description was chorus. I just did a lot of the supplementary roles, like First Lady and Magic Flute. And I covered um, Eleanor Ford and sang the orchestra rehearsals for Bartered Bride. Like, I, I had really a lot to do as a soloist. But it was a choral job in a really small town with a really small chorus and a really nice choral director who was kind of just a pianist. And Mm -hmm. uh, I got there and I was thinking about this as I was writing this afternoon too. (laughs) It was, um, all the boxes were ticked, you know, like everything was totally fine and I was singing full time and I, I had a job that would keep me floating as a singer until retirement and then give me retirement and I was safe and in Europe where I had everything I wanted but I just didn't I didn't love it and yeah I don't know I don't really know what to say about that
1: what do you think uh what do you think that's about because I I think that's something that speaks. I mean the whole for me being an opera singer isn't just about the music even though it is largely about the music right like I love this absolutely
0: But, oh, I would do this for free. They like just don't tell anyone at my theater. We, I love them do
1: <laughs> often, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, especially when you think about how many hours you put into something versus what's what you're being paid. But we don't think about that. Oh, because yeah. You're oh. Uh, yeah. But um, <laughs> but, that, but that was a, <laughs> point. But what I was thinking is, it's so interesting when I think about, not just like what has led us to a place, but also what keeps us there and what doesn't.
0: Well, like, yeah. Right.
1: That idea of. Um, you have all of the things, all of the boxes are checked. But yet I think if you love opera, it's probably because
0: you love challenge. I think uh, it's about the challenge and the growth and really using your whole mind and body and passion. Mm-hmm. And that was that was something I definitely felt like I couldn't do there. But beyond that, it was a little... Um, I think we're also not used to the feeling of arrival as singers because we strive and we... Are constantly you're right you say about the challenge it's, it's you're always working towards the next thing and you're never there because it always has to, it could be better or it could be bigger right and the feeling of arrival you know was was bizarrely anticlimactic and also a little bit this is it like this is what it looks like to have a full-time job as a singer mm-hmm. it, even even taking a look at the you know the, the soloist at the house, they didn't really look very happy and they, they seemed a little stressed about maybe being fired at any moment or singing roles that they, they didn't really feel comfortable with, but had to, if they wanted to keep the contract, it was like, I was so, uh, the romance was taken out of it just overnight. And okay. if this ever makes it to anybody at, at I love you guys. I really. <laughs> well, here's,
1: here's a question with that. So you said, yeah. you know, there's some fear associated with that. So with fest contracts, Yes. Uh, is that yeah. what we're talking about? Can you talk a little mm-hmm, bit about mm-hmm. the fest contract and like how that looks and what that's
0: like for people? Sure. I mean, um, so that's, that one happens to be a small company and the fest ensemble was mostly people straight out of their conservatory or, or master's studies. And um, they would get, a, I think, usually a two-year contract on what we call an Anfängerfettrag, which is a beginner contract. And that is the lowest legal paycheck that you can get and of course everybody straight out of school is like I'm thrilled to have a job and they'll effectively sign on to anything so um, we had singers maybe singing out of their fach rehearsing 10 in the morning and then getting an hour break and then back at 2 in the afternoon and then getting an hour break and then back at 7 in the evening really rehearsing the entire day uh, which is exhausting and not sustainable. Or having a show that goes till 11 at night and then rehearsing at 10 in the morning again—it's mm-hmm. um, a—it's a bit of a um, an exhausting wheel to be on, I think. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you get to do what you love every day, and you can plan a little of what your life looks like. You know, you know what you're singing for the next 24 months. You know that you'll get a summer vacation. You know you'll get, a, a, let's say, a week off in the fall and a week off at Easter, and and it's a really different system to anything we have in the states i think and it, it really is a living wage even if it's not you know the kind of thing you can really save on uh-huh but it's so what else i don't know what to say about no, it no 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 no
1: that's that, no i think that's great yeah. and that like so the way that the contracts come in it's like here you know here's your two-year breakdown of what you'll be mm-hmm. doing and you look mm-hmm. at it and you just say where do i
0: sign and then yeah. and then you get in there and you're
1: like holy crap this is a lot of work like you are
0: well it. Yeah. Yeah, and it may even be they they tell you the roles for the first year, and they say you know we'll find something for you the next year, but you you sign on and you have no idea, and then after that there's a there's a discussion with like very little feedback of how you're doing, and then here's next year's repertoire, take it or leave it, or mm. you know maybe there's a little bit of discussion, but certainly not much, and it might be it might be five nights a week of back to back shows that are completely different, mm. um, yeah.
1: And so that's the, Strange. that's the sort of like, that's the roulette wheel in a, you know, in some sense of, of the fest contract and the fest life. Absolutely. And people yeah, moving and... from house to house every year or two years in order to. Right. Right. If, if, right. if there's, is not a voice that, that a house wants to keep long term,
0: which. Well, there may that, there may be that, uh, that conversation too, where they say, you know, we just don't have anything for you next year. And then they hire someone in your exact same voice part. But as long as they use the phrase, we don't have anything for you, that's the end of it. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it, it can be harder for the rarer voice parts. And I think it actually can be easier for them to do a lot of guest work. Because if you really specialize, you can jump in as, uh, what, Azucena anywhere.
1: Mm.
0: Right? But it's not the same for a Despina.
1: Sure. Yeah, and I guess talking you know? about that... Yeah, let's talk about that. So, like, um, being a fest singer and and specializing. So you write, that's Leon Cavallo, isn't it? Or no, that's not Leon Cavallo, that's, um, that, that's, um, who am I thinking of? Which one? You... Well, the one that y- uh, you just referenced, um, the character you just referenced, which? Uh, Azucena? Yeah, Azucena. Uh, it's not Aida. Uh... Oh. I
0: don't know, it's not my father. No. Uh,
2: I thought it was Trovatore. Oh, yeah. yes, no.
0: Yes, yeah, Trov. no. It's
2: isn't okay, yeah, it's not mine either. But <laughs> hold on, I'm looking, I'm <laughs> looking it up. Messo. This
0: is what's cool. was always was totally at our fingertips.
1: So about all of the <laughs> oh, it means Lily, lovely. Um, but yeah, so, so different voice types are more common than others, and I think also different voice types, like the lighter sopranos, are often something that can be cast really quite young and people, oh, have yes. more. It
2: is Chovatore. Right, She's the one who sings
0: "Stride <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Um, you're right. Yeah. The, I think the, the the younger singers that are successful are the ones who do the that sort of lighter stuff, and it affects mm-hmm. how they need to look long term. Uh, it affects what roles they're going to go into. I think often they have to be very flexible. They, they often get cast. Like if we're talking about a despina voice part, they'll do a lot of operetta. So maybe it's good if they can dance as well, which is not necessarily part of our training, right. you know?
2: Ooh, this is so good. I'm so excited for the end of the story, mostly because I haven't gotten your update in a while. But um, yeah, this is so fun. I like these little stop-offs along the way where we talk a little bit about what you learned during that episode, during that part of your life. Yeah. during that chapter and then we move on to the next so well, i think
1: this is also super helpful because like the listeners that we are trying to connect with are young singers like we want to be able to talk with young singers and say hey here's oh, some gosh. experience from people who've been there and just so you know you know this is this is sort of what it looks like or what it can look like
0: i'm so nervous that i'm saying things that are going to scare people or make me sound not different. at
1: all no <laughs> okay hey, go right, what go. here's the thing here's the thing oh if it's in okay, you, good. it's in you
0: Oh, if you have my to do it, you have
1: to do it. And Bingo. right? Yeah. And and there's no like, well maybe I'll be an opera singer today. You know, like you don't no, do forget that. it. Like, no. I mean it's too hard, it takes too long, and and there's too many disappointments along the way to keep going if it's not something that is just in you. So so no, if you scare someone that's it's not meant to do it, then they're not meant to do it. Right. And there's nothing wrong right.
0: with that. Okay. Good. <laughs> And and what about offending
1: people? Oh, offending people. I don't know, man. I feel like being offended often is kind of silly. Like, we get okay. offended by things, and so much of the time, it's something that we take personally that isn't meant to be taken personally. True. Um, and if it is meant to be taken personally, well
0: through them i don't know sure <laughs> not in and not that anyone would listen to this and think i've got a bad attitude and shouldn't be hired no otherwise. not at all that's, that's the point okay cool yeah no no, uh, no you're
1: just giving information and you're sharing your experience and and you're sharing it in a very positive awesome. way yeah,
2: yeah this well. is super helpful great okay
0: great yeah. here we are okay. <laughs> so um how on earth did we get to the next chapter yeah.
2: so you I were in coblenz but you were not satisfied
0: I wasn't
2: and I did go visit Amber and Koblenz. So that was fun. Yeah,
0: I think you were there about three weeks after I started the job. Like, i yeah, it was I'm really Sorry new. that I was. Yeah. I hope I wasn't so you're grumbly like, hey, as I yeah, probably was. Yeah,
1: come stay on my couch. I'll see you. Never.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did I have a lot of rehearsals?
2: I'm trying to remember. I mean,
0: never. Oh, you mean never like never again? <laughs> oh no, I just meant because you would be in like rehearsals
1: all the time because you just arrived. Okay. Yeah. Like. You know, yeah. <laughs> It was event.
0: great. Yeah. You've
2: apologized yeah. sufficiently for whatever you may have done wrong, but I don't remember you doing anything <laughs> wrong. <so it's laughs> I don't cool. either.
0: I remember day drinking and that's that's always fine So um <laughs> okay. Uh, the one thing that was really amazing is that um I remember walking into my course director's office one day and say I said, Do you mind if we spend five minutes talking about the meaning of life? And he said, Sure, what's up? And I said, I've got an offer to guest somewhere as a soloist, and it's in the middle of a busy season here. Uh, and I know I've only been here for a few months, but do you think that I could just take some unpaid time off and just go do that? And he thought about it for a second. And was like, yeah, sure. I'll talk to the administration. And they signed off the next day. They were so supportive and said, if you want to go do this, you know, it's complicated for us, but we'll figure it out. Just go. I
1: love that so, you broached the topic with, can we discuss the meaning of life?
0: <laughs> I, I had mean, no other way to talk about it. a fantastic
1: setup. It's like, Someone like, yeah. I am coming to you for advice that is so meaningful to me. Like, who yes. wouldn't want yeah. to say yes to someone who does that? Well played. Sorry, go Especially on. Especially a German.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: There was and her German was good mentality. enough to be able to do this. Oh, yes. yeah. German. By then it was really fine. Like, more than fine. Um, but And I think he was sympathetic because, you know, the chorus was a little older, and he was also new, and I think he was it was an adjustment period for him as well. But yeah, actually, looking back, that was probably not the worst tactic, so use that, kids, <laughs> meaning of life. Um, yeah, so they gave me, in my second season there, three months of unpaid leave to go back to Liechtenstein, where I, I when I was in Austria, I'd been living on the Liechtenstein border. It's a small country of 33,000 residents citizens, and uh, beautiful. And they had offered me a role in the operetta Sigourne The Gypsy Baron, by Johann Strauss, which is really sort of teetering on an opera. I wouldn't even call it operetta, because the, the actual singing is really heavy, it's just a, the story is a little fluffy. Um, That's why and, I yeah, Strauss. Sorry, go ahead. Not, he's not my favorite. Now. <laughs> Honestly, though, if you're looking for a good, screamy aria, ladies, the Safi Aria is nice. Mm. It's
2: Good, um, good, screamy. Did you say yeah, good, screamy? Is,
0: screamy? Yeah. Mm. It's, uh, she's, she's like a very strong personality. Not a lot happens in it, but you can show top to bottom in like three minutes. Hmm. Whoa. Does that makes sense? Yeah. So, um, yeah. There, that's a bit of a blip. The fact that I was in Liechtenstein is. Uh, I, I remember sitting, I think we had, we had a few days off, and it was snowing, and I was sitting in this amazing guest residence that I that I had, and I didn't have a lot going on, and I was Skyping, or or whatever medium I was <laughs> using at the time, which probably wasn't Skype, with a buddy who was in Koblenz, another American, and we were both like, man, we got to get out of that joint, and looking for jobs and openings online, and there was a baritone and a soprano spot at the Theater Bern in Switzerland and so we were both like oh i guess we'll just apply that's cool the auditions are the same day oh awesome fun and um i woke up the morning of the audition still in Liechtenstein. i had been sick for days and it was just the worst of it like no voice could barely open my eyes and i was thinking oh man it's such a cool opportunity and it's right down the road and i guess if i don't go audition i'll never know i'll never get the job if i don't audition for it right so I dragged myself out of bed and took the three-hour train ride and met my buddy there. And there were 35 people, I think, auditioning that day for two Soprano One Spots. And I looked at the sheet and was like, what? I applied for a Soprano One Spot? Like, what were they thinking? Uh, because I don't know if you can hear this in my speaking voice because it's not a Soprano One. And then I look at the sheet and I realize I've also prepared the wrong choral excerpts for, like, when they did the curl exercises. Oh. And I'm also on 100% of the meds and was just at the ENT yesterday, and I'm like, well, I'm here. Let's do this, right? And so five hours of the audition go by. It's just, it, they the guy, um, the chorus director decided he was going to do, everybody does their first aria, and then everybody does their second aria, and then, like, oh, that's gosh. why I lasted five hours of 35 Jeez people, right? De- right. So it was a long day. Wow. Yeah. Um, And my buddy from Koblenz, he gets a job offer on the spot. They're like, we love you. Amazing. And I'm like, oh, that's what that looks like. Very cool. All right. Uh, I made it it through Pamina, which was the required first Aria. Yay. Yeah, yay. Oh, Pamina. I mean, to get through Pamina
1: is no small thing. I don't see Pamina unless I
0: have to. Well, I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. You've evolved faster. I'm thinking at the time the only way I got through it is because my vocal cords aren't working entirely. It's like if I had full access to my throat, it wouldn't have happened.
1: <laughs> only because you would have half of it is your way through
0: on. it onto Oh,
1: else. the
2: blessings! Exactly the that. blessings it of being have... unwell. We're saved it's from ourselves.
0: Yeah. yeah, and also like at, at, by the time I got out on stage for aria number one, I was just like hopeless, <laughs> having to th- having funk. Th- just thinking that it's a it, it's a lost cause to even be here. But so I got through Pamina, and then they heard the Safi aria, and then they heard my bartered bread. And then we get to the choral excerpts, and I I don't know, Mozart Requiem or something. And the chorus blast says, Danke. And I'm like, what is I mean, oh, too bad. Okay, you guys have a nice day. And I just like chirp off stage, right? (laughs) I can't believe I made it into the fourth round. Cannot believe it. And um, that that was, I don't know, in the middle of the season, right? And four or five months go by. My buddy moves away down to Bear, and everyone wishes him well. And I'm like, Guess I've seen the last of that guy. And I go, Here's where we get into the story. You guys want to hear the story? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell it quickly since we're here now. Um, I go on the Camino de Santiago, which is a hike across Spain. And I know you've both heard the story, but your podcast listeners haven't. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, We'll talk about that yeah. hike. What was it? I'm gonna I'm going to. I'm trying okay, to think okay. of where to start so that I don't continue rambling because I know I've been long winded so far. <laughs> um,
2: You're doing great.
0: Thank you, I appreciate it. It's my first time. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, the geez. whole <laughs> the we had um, something like seven weeks summer vacation in Koblenz and I'd been back there since, I don't know, April of that year. And on the summer vacation I decided at the recommendation of several friends and colleagues to, to go walk across Spain because I really love hiking and this is the kind of journey where you can you start on a pilgrim path that's thousands of years old and and goes from like the the traditional path is uh from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port in France across the Pyrenees and across Spain all the way to the effectively the coast and um it's it's a journey that people go on for spiritual reasons or some of them go on it uh, for health reasons some go for religious reasons you can go for for any reason you could think of and i just thought like i need in contrast to my regular job i need a physical challenge maybe even a mental durability challenge or or stamina challenge and um to kind of open my mind a little bit and see what it's like to be walking somewhere every single day every single step that you've never been before and not even knowing where you're going to sleep tonight you know really just a strange thing to do actually and really cool and i don't speak spanish um And one of the traditions is to take a rock from the place that you call home, which at the time was obviously Koblenz, and release it, let it, you know, you carry that weight in your backpack, but you leave it behind at the top of a mountain about three-quarters of the way to Santiago at the foot of a cross as a, a gesture of leaving behind something that you have finished with, really, really come to terms with. And... In tradition, I picked up my rock on the way to the train station. <laughs> I don't really know what this is yet, but I bet I'll figure it out. And I walked and walked and walked and walked and had an amazing time and met wonderful people and breathed, like, fantastic fresh air and ate Spanish food and all of that. And I got to the point of this, this mountain top with a cross. And was just having the worst day ever. Just the worst. I'd been coming off of food poisoning, and I thought I was going to be there at
2: sunrise.
0: It was like I was really not doing well. I'd been, like, mentally fighting people my whole, you know, whole day beforehand. And um, I I had this big plan that I was going to wake up and see the sun come up and drop off my rock, which, of course, at this point, after three weeks of hiking by myself and really thinking about my life and what I want, I realized I I just got to get out of Koblenz. This is not for me, and... I don't know what I'm going to do, and I'm not the type of person that would quit something stable for the, the nebula of unknown, but I knew I had to go, and so whatever opportunity was going to come was only going to come when I released that, and I wake up, and I'm feeling grumpy, and it's raining sideways, and it's just complete clouds you can't even see in front of your face, yeah, and I, I missed sunrise anyway, so who cares, and I get to the, to the cross, um, already freezing and soaking wet, and I see it, and I'm like, that's it. It wasn't big. It wasn't climactic. I'm really sorry. You should go to. You should hike across. Things. It was but, very like, un-American. There
2: it was, was no so unbelievable.
0: It, it was no so not Hollywood. <laughs> to sit. There was no, like, it was marker. trash everywhere. People had left just you know pictures and and their junk and like this is what I'm leaving behind. And I was like, this is what I've been working for. Fine, I take out the rock and I just march myself down that mountain and to cut. A very, very long story short. Four hours later, I got to my youth hostel and turned on the internet, and my phone blew up with a job offer from Concerte Atte Bern. And about 300 phone calls from my buddy, who was like, I think they're going to call you this afternoon. And I was like, what just happened? I literally put my job behind me at the top of that mountain four hours ago. And all of a sudden, everything has changed. Everything. And, um... It was because the girl they had offered this, the job to on the spot that day, she had shown up for about a week and called in sick for two months and realized the whole thing just wasn't for her and they needed somebody next week. And so they said, Well, that girl who got cut, she seems nice. Because I guess I hopped off stage, like, Bye bye And uh, I'm American. Reason. Reason. I'm, <laughs> I'm an American. <laughs> yeah. I cried. I just stood there and cried and cried and cried. And I thought, I can't believe uh, that everything changed that quickly. And that I guess I had to be ready for it to change that quickly. Mm-hmm. Because suddenly, you know, I, I, of course, said, let me think about it. And then called back 10 minutes later, and was like, yes, yes, yes. I don't know why i had have to think about it yet. And I flew home. I got to Santiago, cried some more in the church, and then flew home and dissolved my entire apartment, 48 hours. Got in a car with a, a friend from the theater who was feeling generous that afternoon, and he drove me to Switzerland, and that was the end of Koblenz, all of it, in just so, a couple of
2: days. How did that work? Did you have to break your
0: contract though with Koblenz? Uh, no, no, yeah, yes, no. Um, I emailed the boss and said, "Hey, I got this really cool offer. Do you mind if I take a year off? Because it was, um, it was a short-term contract. They wanted I had to do a pull which is typical. Mm-hmm. Like if you get a fest contract or or in the chorus. Uh, which, by the way, these are choral offers." Um, you have to do it sort of a trial year and they see if it's a good fit for you, you see if it's a good fit. um, I I was nervous, obviously, about quitting a full-time, very secure job for a trial year as a first soprano. But then, you know, I I thought about it and I was like, I trust me. And this is the window. And either I will figure out how to sing first soprano or this is at least the thing that's going to get me from being stuck in one spot. And that was really a clear, easy decision when I thought about, the, the potential that was there versus the utter lack of inspiration in where I was. So, um, yeah. yeah, anyway, I, I called the boss, or sorry, I emailed him on his honeymoon to say, hey, this is by the way, the intendant, not the chorus director. A nice guy, though. Um, uh-huh. It doesn't matter. I, I emailed him and said, can I take a year off just as a sabbatical? And he goes, you know, I, I understand the question, but you can either stay or you can quit. And I said, okay. Thank you very much. I quit. He goes, No problem. I'll make sure there's a contract. They call it sort of a dissolving contract uh, in, the, in the office for you next week. And that was it. Nice. It was actually wow. very friendly and painless. And it, it wasn't really a breach of contract. It was just a mutual agreement that I would not work there anymore. Oh, that's oh. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So I started in Bayern and had to figure out how to sing for soprano. And I've been here for almost four years and I love it. And I'm very happy. And that sounds like someone who's just drinking the Kool-Aid. But for some reason, this is all just a better fit. And and the whole air quotes, this is it thing, is suddenly great. It's like, wow, I get to sing full time. And I also can live my life. And I have really interesting friends in the most beautiful place I've ever been.
2: Yeah, Baron is and amazing.
0: It's amazing. And, and you get paid like a lot.
2: I'm, and it's expensive.
0: I, <laughs> it, it's very expensive here, but I'm paid uh, an appropriate amount. And I don't know if you guys caught this on Facebook, but the... Um, Months ago, our got sick and I got to jump in and sing what? For three oh, times. I did That's not great. do that. I am oh, going to yeah, look yeah. It up right yeah. now. Oh man, there's a picture on Facebook. There's a big gold dress, and it was super fun. <sighs> Honestly, I hadn't sung that in 12 years and had about three days to prep it again, which is it's not a long roll, but it's, it's <laughs> your 12 still... years ago technique.
2: Just yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Well, and yeah. you know, the 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 high B natural, going to pianissimo, spinning no, off. No,
0: I, I don't think I went to pianissimo at the end of it. <laughs> um, but I'm I just saying that takes time. Than three days. <laughs> we're skipping a chunk of the story that I think is also not irrelevant. That's, okay. If we have time to go back to that. Please. Okay. So um, I would say that while everybody knows themselves as a singer, it's it's confusing if you are sort of conscious that you've got the goods but people aren't buying the goods. It's and everyone knows how that feels, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you've got something to offer and you know there's something in you and and it's just not getting picked up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um I found that after it's been almost 6 years of full-time really full-time chorus singing that Every now and then you get something good and people are like, oh, that's interesting. But then they don't really call again. It's like, well, what's what's not what's what's the in between? Like, why am I just singing chorus? Do I need to be part of this ensemble? Am I not good enough? And um, as you both know, I went through a kind of tricky emotional patch at the beginning of my time here. Mm -hmm. And I just had sort of fallen off the, the discipline and the mental ability to make myself believe and work hard and move forward and practice as a soloist because I also thought, well, I'm in the chorus, and it is it is what it is, right? And um, at one point, almost, it was about a year and a half ago, I was having a really grumpy, sad day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt like everything had kind of fallen apart personally for me, and I decided to go mm-hmm. upstairs and work on an aria that my current boyfriend had uh, had suggested because he th- thought uh, that it would be appropriate for me. And so I was practicing and practicing and practicing and just drilling it and kind of feeling the vibrations of the room and, and taking the glow from that. You know that feeling?
1: Of course, when everything yeah. lines up the way you want it to <laughs> yes. and the piano yeah. is like, I will sing back
0: to you what yes. you are singing to me. Right, yeah. and, the, and you're like, it's it's sort of, I can take this from the outside because there's not a lot on the inside right now.
1: Mm. And
0: <sighs> um, yeah, I was just having one of those days. And it was it was helping on its own, but I was also thinking like, you know, and, and a little thinking, what's the point at the same time, right? And the... Um,
1: the like makeup lady. The
0: solo yeah, like, I've never for what? Had sing. Exactly. I don't even have auditions. Like, what am I doing? But I have to do something, and that's that expected. Rachel, what you were saying about how it's just in you. It's not like you either yeah. get your therapy from singing or you don't, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the makeup lady for the soloist knocked on the door and said, "Oh, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I thought you were the soloist." And I was like, "Oh, that's nice. nope bye." Mm. And Two minutes later, the one woman that she was looking for, the soloist for our current opera at the time, um, knocked on the door and said, I'm sorry to interrupt, I'm really sorry, but who are you and why are you singing chorus here? At which point, I just bawled. I'm just, like this podcast is going to be about, mostly about me crying I think <laughs> um, it's okay if it is but I, I just lost it and then actually she she reacted just like that right she goes you know what I know exactly where you are I, mm. I I sing when I can and what I can and I've been there and I've done all the choral gigs and I know the emotional struggle and I've got a husband who's an artist and a kid now. And we're like, what are we doing? So I get it. And she just let me cry. And and then when I finished, I was like, my my, my name's Amber. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, she and I worked together for a couple of weeks and, you know, prepped for some auditions that I hadn't even at the time signed up for, but was like bouncing around the idea. And she was just really supportive and cool and not competitive in, in like a typical soprano way. Right. And um, a few weeks go by, and we were doing this really weird, uh, completely obscure opera uh, version of Anna Karenina that has been written 75 years ago in Hungarian, and we were doing a German version for some reason. And she called me two days after Christmas morning, sounding like a bass, and goes, listen, I know I know you're not a cover, I know you probably don't know the role, but I can't sing it, and if I don't, it, the whole show has to be canceled, and everything's going to fall apart, is there any chance you could just try? Like, can I put you forward to the office and, and see? And it was another one of those moments where I, <laughs> I thought about it and was like, obviously, like, <laughs> this, is a, this is a completely terrible idea to sight read an opera tonight, but I'm going to do it. Courage. And courage. Yeah. well, I don't even know if courage is the right word, ladies. <laughs> but, of course it is. Oh, it's yeah. Totally
2: yeah. Courageous. Um, Absolutely
0: courageous. Absolutely. No question. I don't, I don't know what it was. It was another thing where you're just like, this opportunity is here for just this second and it will definitely go away and not come back. It it felt like that, you know? And I didn't, I didn't have to commit to the, I didn't really have to commit until five minutes before showtime. And I had seven hours at that point to learn a lead role (laughs) like Anna Karina, which is,
2: wow
0: yeah she, she's got kind of a lot to say and do right um yeah so, yeah so I called well the office called me and said is are you going to do this is this happening she just put you forward are you interested and I, was, I was like yeah yeah totally just get me a piano for the next seven hours I'll be back I was coming from the mountains from a ski holiday I was like I'll be back when I get there and then we'll figure it out and um then I that night Stood up in front of an orchestra and 600 audience. Well, it's a small theater, but 600 audience members and the entire administration, all of my chorus colleagues, and sang this lead role of an opera that, thank God, nobody knew. But at the same time, I also didn't, and and did it. And it wow. was the first, like I think, the first time in my life I've met ne- It was total out of body experience. I wasn't nervous. I thought this is what it is. I'm here. This I'm reading. This is going I to got-
1: be whatever it's going to
0: be. <laughs> with white knuckled eye contact with the the chorus director was actually conducting that night and yeah it was um an amazing strange experience that of course I didn't get to sleep the entire night but I when I finally woke up the next morning I thought oh my goodness that's what all of that training was for every single thing I've ever trained for prepared me for that and the preparation that you think isn't is never enough or isn't there it's there and you can count on it in that moment when it's actually important it's just so rarely Mm. it, it, it doesn't ever demand that much of you but um every piece of me went into that in a very bizarre like I said out of body way and it woke me up to realize that I totally know how to sing and I'm totally worthy of this business and it's worth the passion and the tears and the struggle and staying with it and coming back to it even after the times that it seemed hopeless or confusing. And um, it's been really interesting because Aww. since then, you know, I've gotten back on the, on the solo wagon. I, the Mosetta was fun, but also um, I went last summer to Dolores Ajax program, the Institute for Tr- Young Dramatic yeah, yeah. Voices, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With... That's right. How was that? It was great. It was amazing because I got, I got full time feedback that it it's not wrong. Do you know? And yeah, it's it's an amazing um, feeling to be taken under somebody's wing. It was Dora and and Luana DeVol. Mm-hmm. the two of them were like, this is exactly oh, yeah, what we're supposed to be doing. And yeah, and you don't you don't have to contribute anything but your whole energy to it. You know, they cover all wow. of your costs. And I thought, how hard is it feeling like you have to spend everything you've got to make this happen, right. versus someone saying, we believe in you, we're gonna help you make it happen. Absolutely. And yeah, and all of that came from this crazy experience uh, last winter. It just, it's just it been such an eye-opening uh, experience and, and a real turnaround and just a confirmation every single day that it was right never to give up. It was right never to yeah. walk away and go be a Ph.D. college professor of German, you know? Right. Or a secretary in New York or all the other things that I could have accidentally ended up being.
1: Absolutely, that very easily can happen if we... No, sometimes we just accept. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to be here, and and we can get really bitter and be like, yeah, well, I lived in New York for X amount of time, and right. I put my time in, and I did all this stuff, and nothing ever happened for me. And it's like, did you did you follow did you follow the inside? You know, that's right. that's the question that I often have. Is like, what did what did what did the little the little voice inside you say? Not you know, not the pathological one, but like, <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Like, what what does it take to actually listen to that that inner voice that's saying, okay, this is this is right, or I'm gonna try that, or and and it's so scary because those things are so unknown, and this is an industry that is so unknown, and totally and yet and, and, it's and hard to trust. Yes, yeah.
0: Right? yeah.
1: So it's yeah. a double-edged sword in that sense because you have. You have on one hand all of these expectations, and then on the other hand, all of these needs that are um, that, that require the musicianship that you're just describing. And it's like, how often do those things sort of come up? It's like it doesn't, but you get yourself ready for those moments, and then and then you're there when it happens. And you don't beat yourself up along the way because at the end of the day, like if you've done all that you can, like that's all you can do.
0: Like That's true. <laughs> I think it's it's hard to do all that you can when you don't feel that there's reward. Like oh yeah, totally. that that personal motivation, it does come and go. It's always in there, but it it comes in waves. I think, at least for me. Well, yeah.
1: Think, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. the motivation part is like. I mean I so I was getting ready to do this show. Um so I sang in this this new opera last week and, and it was well received and people enjoyed it and the composer was really happy and that's great. Yeah. And um and you know, there's parts of the music that are really, really beautiful and I really enjoy this woman's writing and I enjoy singing her work. But I picked up an aria, like I'm I'm starting to look at Dalila and mm. I started to sing it and I was like, Oh, it's my heart
0: yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I
1: mean, like, and yeah. here it is. You just open your mouth, and when it goes into that place that it needs to go, where it's even and spinning and rich and beautiful, and then suddenly, you're like, "Oh, that's what it is to arrive."
0: I feel Bingo. Like,
1: right? Yeah, and it really it, takes over. Yeah,
0: and remembering
1: those moments and finding and searching and working toward those moments is so hard because it is it is so vulnerable. Um, I was working with, a, um, with someone who does primarily yoga and a lot of, like, body work, and we were talking about, you know,
2: the Sarah,
1: yeah, I was she that. told me about How it. Did she, was she like, man, yeah. she's crazy. Um,
2: <laughs> she only told me about the voice lesson. She didn't tell me about the stuff oh. she did to you. Oh, but, yes, you never... please, tell us.
1: Well, we were talking about in the body, um, you know, when it comes to yoga, like, every you hold your core in and you breathe really high, and it's the opposite as a singer. Yes. Completely and, the opposite. And it's completely opposite because and then as I, as I was talking about as I was as I was thinking about it, I'm like, "Oh, you know what? Singing is completely vulnerable." And I'd never really thought about it this way before, but like when those muscles that are lower are tight, that is that is your fight or flight, right? That's your at any moment if something comes behind me, I'm going to have the strength to be able to pivot and run away. Or I'm going to be able to um, it's that's that's where your strength is is in your core and the same is true for singing but because the approach is the opposite instead of being strong in the sense that like you could fight something or run away you are completely naked like you are completely just vulnerable here i am this is the voice and mm-hmm. and there's something i don't know there's just something really really unique about that i feel like Definitely. I don't know. What do you guys think? It was just that that's that's how the voice lesson went. You talked about that. No,
0: it's um I, I agree with you. And actually I was uh, a little nervous about the Mosetta back when it happened and I watched some videos about like anxiety management from somebody who had studied the human nature. Mm. And they talked a lot about the like sort of fight, flight and freeze, which is another unfortunate option that some <laughs> of us go to. Say again? I said, if I hold still, I am invisible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I don't move, they can't see. It's just like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, but we also, we, we when we're afraid or when we sense uh, anxiety or, or danger, we shut our mouths and we clamp down. Yep. And it's it's the breathing as much as the gut, like the whole core, and your throat and your jaw. And it's just the opposite That's of the freedom that you need to sing that has yeah. to come from the trust and preparation and love of all of it. Mm. no yes no cool but yoga is great anyway and
2: yoga is great and i do not practice that way so sarah has spent a lot of time in india and she has a guru out there and it's like cool i have all my yoga training comes from the us of a and there are bandhas that you can engage um at various times during your practice or some people engage them all the time including the the root lock which is the pelvic floor and Mm -hmm. the, um, the one in the stomach, I can't remember what it's called. And then there's the Mula I think that was the one in the stomach area, like the diaphragm essentially, and then the throat lock as well. But I do not practice that way. I adapt the breathing to what is best for me as a singer. Yeah. And I think think that, yeah, I think that yoga has a lot of great lessons for singers in that your movement is much smoother and more balanced when you keep the breath going.
1: Mm, So
2: yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting sort of it's analogous to the singing. Also now that I'm teaching more, I realize that the the students I'm teaching are often not allowing the breath to be free, which is, obviously also an indication of relaxation, right? When are you ever relaxed totally. and holding your breath? <laughs> but so the breath is kind of here and there and like spotty and whatever, and it just makes nothing smooth.
0: And yeah. it doesn't,
2: you know, it's, it's basically impossible to be expressive or to be an artist um, when you're in that state too. So, yeah.
0: Well, I think that's it's tricky because awesome. my, my background, my, you know, original musical training was in ballet. Mm. And when I got out of high school, all I knew how to do was hold my core and keep my breath high. I think you can be very expressive with your entire body, but you breathe and you feel so differently as a dancer than when you're trying to learn how to sing. And uh, I remember asking our, our voice teacher at one point, "What do you do about sucking in?" Because I thought, as an 18-year-old, like everyone just sucks just in to let be hot. All oh, out. <laughs> <That's not laughs> I'm often. 18. I yeah, have no like, belly. <laughs> am, well, I'm not going to show anybody if I do have one. <laughs> And right. Yeah, she just, she had no sympathy for it because I think she'd forgotten about sucking in, right? She was yeah, over 50 at, the, at that point. But I couldn't put together that you have to release because I had never learned anything about releasing. Yeah. And that's that's a process, and I think it's also a bit of an Americanism, that we love controlling things and we feel a little uptight all the time. And you have to unlearn it, actually, and be more natural and really flow.
2: Yeah. I didn't learn about that until... Uh, was when I was in New York. So it was, you know, at least three years after I graduated with my master's, I somehow made it through, you know, a master's level without like ever knowing that I needed to. Well, and some people actually do a lot of, a a lot of work with the abdominals in terms of Mm -hmm. tucking and, Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things, but for sure, the feeling of a freedom there and the feeling of being in charge, being in control Mm -hmm. of what's happening there and not just sort of tension. That's like, do I look good from the side? (laughs) Right?
0: No. (laughs) It's essential. You rely on on the bigger
1: muscles. I just sidestep and keep myself. (laughs) The shuffle. I choose shuffle my way. Oh Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. No, I wonder, can you be, can you be a great dancer and a great singer?
0: I think so. I think you just have to know what you're doing and like w- choose what you're doing in a given moment. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that you really have to sing with full operatic uh, technique and dance at the same time. It's so rare. It's oh, my
2: goodness! impossible. Right. I did that uh, a little bit in Hansel and Gretel. That was the, like, the worst of it was the opening scene with the playing and mm-hmm. uh, basically like, I felt like I was doing river dance and of trying to sing okay. at the same time which I was just like
0: Man. Anyway, honestly, my experience is that when I when I have to dance, let's say as a chorus member and we're doing something really involved, I forget to sing every time. I I'm so into the dancing and I revert <laughs> to the technique
2: <laughs> that I'm just really like I am here smiling.
1: You <laughs> That's yeah. like patting your stomach and your head at the same time. I'm
0: like which, I don't it know. can wow. be done. It can be done. It can be done.
2: It's very winding, though, to dance and it's try to sing at the same time. Because,
0: well, I think dancers are trained to just keep their mouths shut, you know? Like, you, you're not making noise while you're dancing. You're okay. certainly not gasping with your throat open. Right, or
2: just have, letting your mouth hang open while you dance.
1: <laughs> I'm totally like, the image that comes to my mind is, is me. My, that's the image. <laughs>
2: right
1: like me with my mouth like hanging open and just like one of my biggest fears like honestly is dancing solo in front of people and having people watch me I'm like please no
0: fascinating like, that's oh.
1: like never like please unless it's comedic if it's meant to be comedic for sure but like it, partner dancing is fine but like solo dancing taking myself really seriously like shoot me
0: <laughs> fascinating <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> i grew up a ballerina too amber i didn't realize yeah, that but really. i did just i was just scrolling through all your photos on facebook just for fun oh, and yeah. i did see some nice leaps in the austrian hillside yeah. or mountainside
0: the photos are a little behind i'm, I'm just so worried about you know <laughs> being spied upon like anybody cares
2: very nice leaps well i was spying on you the other day and i was trying to figure out what was going on um with your current relationship you. I so i was oh, like I, yeah it, it is it's great I well and from what you said in the story I was like oh okay yeah got it no, and I know he's been a champion of your transition into the heavier rep right
0: he's been so supportive it's been yeah. really great like just Having somebody, you know, and it's hard It's hard for me because I don't believe anything anyone says. And this is all because of my mother, and we can get into her another podcast day. So <laughs> like, <so>. Good idea. <laughs> that's, that's a different show. So if, uh, if somebody that's close to me is saying how much they believe in me, I just, I, I don't trust it. Okay, just trust that. Just feel that. And that's another, it's another way to let go. You know, it's actually kind of great. So everything's going well, and I'll tell you the rest of that when we're not on a podcast. Yeah thank of- you
1: guys for doing this and for yes me. and, this is super
2: and fun. thank you and i'm so glad that you guys are friends now too that makes me so happy
0: we got to hang out it was They're so fun awesome.
2: yay yeah. yeah,
0: it was it. awesome actually yeah. it was
2: wonderful. Joy. please Her come
1: joy. back anytime I would love awesome. that. yes well we have to continue discussing the whole thing about family and
0: dynamics uh, yes. i'm not sure. yes. controlling right not now yes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: oh so, so amazing ladies thank you thank you
0: Have a nice day. You too. Have a good night. Yeah, I will. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.